We're going to be jumping in. This is our third week. We're at the end of chapter one, the beginning of chapter two. And uh, what I see happening here is or when, I, when I close my eyes and I really dream and let my imagination go wild, I see a scene uh, that reminds me of a couple different times when I was in like a waiting room in like small offices or businesses around town where these days, you know, they don't just have like the music, like the lobby music. They have like a TV that plays videos like for entertainment. And the, like the last two times I was in there, the videos they were playing was this channel called Fail Army. Has anyone ever heard of Fail Army? You guys know what I'm talking about? Okay, right, it's like the young people in here. Jim, right on. All right, so it's like, it's like America's Funniest Home Videos, but without the commentary. So it's, it's, okay, it's bad, but it's like people just like falling down, like thinking like, oh, there's a step. Oh, nope, not a step, you know, or like people like realizing like, yep, that really was not a good idea, but like someone captured it on film. And it's just like a loop, right? No commentary. And it just like, just keeps going one after the other. And you feel bad because like sometimes I laugh, and you're like, I shouldn't laugh because that's like someone else's misfortune that I'm now like enjoying and I'm getting entertainment out of. You know, like in the winter, you know, when people are like slipping on ice, you're like, ha, ha, ha. But like, you know, that's terrible. Like when people slip on ice. Um, but there's a, there's a word that we borrow from German to talk about that enjoyment of other people's misfortune. It's called schadenfreude. Uh, or the American version, I think, is schadenfreude. <laughs> and it's finding pleasure in others' misfortune. It's funny. Um, most people feel like this is like an immoral thing, you know, like, like this should be off limits. And I think it's funny because there you are like in a waiting room and like everyone's watching this thing and you're kind of like, well, I can't laugh, you know, because then they're going to know that I've like, I'm like this immoral person. Now, some of them though, I don't experience schadenfreude. I, I actually feel bad for the person, you know, where you, you, you've, you've had that where something happens and you're embarrassed for them. Where you're like, like this could have happened 10 years ago and then you caught it on film and you're just like, oh my goodness, like, oh, that's terrible. There's actually a German word for that. Not quite as common. I looked it up. It's uh, frimschämen. Frim, frimschämen. Now, I can't even try it in German. Frimschämen is the English version, but it's this feeling of shame and embarrassment on behalf of someone else. So it's like you feel for them and now you're uncomfortable and you're anxious because of the situation that they're in. Um, I want to give you an example of a video that gives me from shaman and see if it uh, evokes the same response in you. It's a 30-second clip. Are you guys ready? To try and win. Um, I think he's uh, hoping this would be the, uh, the last lap, but we still get one lap to go of uh, five kilometers as we come through the uh, finishing line. One rider from Cannondale. Again, it's not going to be enough. There's still a lot of riders that have been sat in the wheels. It's going to be plenty of attacks here in the last lap. One of the riders I just saw at the front very interestingly, and a rider that can ride himself into form. He, he thinks, thinks he's, he's won. won. Yeah. No, no, there's a, that's a little bit unfortunate for the Spaniard. Clearly doesn't understand English. The commentator saying no, no, no. That is a shame. Is uh, one lap to go, my friend. Oh, no, that is a shame. Oh, I feel terrible. Like, you just see his joy crossing the finish line, exulting. He has worked hard, the culmination of all this effort. Meanwhile, there's an announcer who's going, no, 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 one to go, one to go, one to go, one to go, one to go. And like, they're like, he's Spanish, and they're like, oh, language bear. It's like, look, the guy's screaming, one to go, one to go, one to go. It's like, no one has a clue what he's saying. You know, so you can't blame him. But, the, but even the commentators, they're just like, oh, you feel terrible. You know, it's like, oh, what do you do? I, I saw a video of the same event, this is from like 10 years ago, um, of, of a fan 
who was filming it, like in the front row, and you see his expression like, oh, like, go, go. Like, you want to stop it. You want to do anything you can to like prevent that shame that they're going to feel. I went and looked up because I was like, well, I mean, maybe he podiumed still. You know, like, I mean, he was out in front. Maybe he could get it. He finished 56th uh, in the race. <laughs> oh, you feel terrible. Uh, on Twitter, though, he joked about it. He, go, he said in Spanish, he was like, I just really wanted to win. Luckily, no one saw me, you know, and... <laughs> And um, which I guess makes me feel a little better. But like those situations, it's like, if how could you, like you're the man on the mic who's, who's speaking for everyone. Like how can you tell this person, you can tell like they're, they're going to, it's like, no, one to go, one to go, keep going, keep going. It's like, how can you prevent the inevitable from happening? You can see it coming. And I feel like that's the scene in Colossians where the church in Colossae are all the writers, right? Where the, the race that they're in is the, the I'm following Jesus, right? They're, they're already in, I'm doing the thing. And Paul's the announcer and he's like, wait, no, you're still, you're still going because he's concerned that the church is like, made it. I'm in the kingdom, we're here. And he's like, no, 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 one to go, one to go, one to go, one to go. You're still in the race. Uh, he sets out at the end of this chapter one, beginning of chapter two, what is that finish line? Here's what I'm hoping that you guys will all get to, but keep your eye up there. Don't, don't stop. Don't stop. I would hate for you to have that shame at the end of your life before God. I won. It's like, no, you, there was one more lap. There was one more lap to go. Sorry, right, we're going to read uh, verse, uh, chapter one, verses 24, all the way down to two, verses, uh, verse five. Um, and in this, uh, we'll get a little bit of who Paul is and what he's doing. Let me just give you a brief recap. The, the, the letter starts with an introduction and then a prayer, as most letters that Paul writes to churches do. Within that prayer, he hints at what he's going to be writing about later. Uh, we talked about he hints at keep Christ the center, be the core. Uh, last week, Jim preached, uh, who is at the core? Christ. Let me introduce him to you. He's the, the supreme thing of all creation. He created all things. He's reconciled all things through Jesus. And now Paul's section that we're seeing now, he's going to introduce himself. Uh, like our website, do you know what the most common web uh, click, what page uh, people click when they come to our website is? Any guesses? Yeah, about us, right? Because when you go to a church's webpage, you want to know, okay, well, who are you, right? What do you believe? Uh, who's the pastor? Uh, how are you structured? You want to know, are you worth my time, right? Like, do I want to hear what you have to say to me? Or are you worth me showing up and participating? Uh, or, or should I just maybe look somewhere else? And so this is like the about us section of Paul's letter. Uh, we'll see later on that, that he doesn't know all, uh, or he doesn't know many uh, of the people that he anticipates are going to be reading this letter. So he has to say, well, here, here's who I am, and here's why you should listen to me. And then here's also the finish line that I have for you. All right, we're going to be reading uh, just three verses, and then it's confusing, so we'll go back. Uh, oh, I think I got them up on the screen. We'll, we'll go from there. Now, I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. Oh, no. Twice, twice. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Okay. Does it ever happen to you when you read Paul, you're like, wait, what? Like, I don't know about you. Like, even now, reading it, I've studied it all week. It's like, 
Woo! That is, there's, there's like so many different scrambled things. I'm going to go a little bit slower. And to be completely honest, it starts with a doozy. Do you, did you see how he started this whole section? He said, not rejoice in what I'm suffering for you. Got that. That makes sense. I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. What? What was still lacking in his, okay, one, he died. So how could there be anything lacking in his afflictions? Two, I thought Jesus already paid for everyone's sins. Like there's nothing lacking. Like, like we talking about there's something that wasn't covered here? You know, like don't we say everything's covered by the blood of Jesus? Paul, what do you mean that you're filling up what was lacking? What was still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions? Now here's the thing, time out. The game that I like to play is, but what is the context, right? It's very easy to snip a verse out of scripture, put it on a screen and say, wow, this doesn't make sense at all. Uh, this has puzzled I mean, Christians for millennia, like, don't worry, you're not, you're not alone. But the answer is within the context. We have to understand what was Paul saying? Because remember, right before this section, he talks about who Christ was. Literally, the verses right before, you can watch, I mean, you can go back and read them. Talks about how Jesus' death was sufficient to, to pay for all sins, to reconcile all things to him. So it was complete. Everyone Everyone's sins are forgiven. Salvation is available to everyone because of Christ's affliction, specifically his death on the cross. That's what Paul has made very clear the section before, which says, well, what is he talking about now? Well, the section goes forward. We read it in those last two verses. He's talking about revealing this mystery, right? So this mystery is Christ himself. And Paul sees himself as commissioned by God to bring this to everyone. Because here's the thing. Jesus died for everyone's sins, but everyone didn't know it yet. And so Paul sees that part of God's plan to provide salvation to everyone is not just to pay for their sins, but also so that everyone might know their sins are paid for and they might be able to receive Jesus. Paul sees himself as an extension of God's work through the world after Jesus. And so he's been commissioned by God. Now go share with everyone who Jesus is. Like Paul's not trying to say that he's on some even level with Jesus, right? Where his sufferings are, are the same as Christ's sufferings. And he's, no, no, he's just been talking about how elevated Christ is. But he sees that he is going to continue this mission that God has that Jesus completed, but now he's gonna bring that completed work to everyone so that they might be able to understand what salvation is. And so that's what he means when he says, fill up in my flesh. Uh, it's fun, there's the, the word there for fill up implies that it's from the same source, Right? So it's, um, it's not like Jesus filled the cup halfway and then I bring whatever drink I want and I fill up the cup and then we've got a mixed drink. It's the exact same thing that's being full. So we can view it like this. Like um, if Jesus' death was poured out into a cup and filled totally complete, maybe like a, a soda over ice, right? It goes all the way up. But after a while, the, the foam comes down and there's room left over to add more Coke to fill it all the way up where Paul is not doing something different than what Jesus already did. And he's following the same footsteps and even the same way. He's suffering, right? I mean, here's a key point. Jesus died for our sins through his suffering, right? He, he paid for our sins. He removed them in order that we might have salvation through suffering. And Paul is saying, I also am using the same source in order to continue this mission to you through suffering. So he wrote this letter from prison, you know, and, and he struggled and he talks. Uh, we'll, we'll get to it right after I make these points <laughs> about how hard he contended for this church in Colossa. 
And so there's this aspect of suffering is how God works in the world, how he brings salvation. And Paul sees himself as a God, uh, a God with a God-given commission to continue that work to bring salvation to the nations. Uh, he also talks about mysteries in here. Uh, two points, the mystery at the very end, which is Christ in you. Uh, the mystery that he's sharing is not just that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Christ. He's the one where there's salvation, not just that Jesus died on the cross for your sin, not just that Jesus is God. All these main points that he just made in that previous section. He wants you to know that that God, the Jesus who died for your sins, who offered salvation, wants to now be in you. This isn't something that you say, okay, yes, I agree with that. That sounds good. It's something that you actually accept and allowed to live inside you. See, all throughout history, God had only put his presence in particular places, like the temple. And he says, this is where I dwell. And you'd have to go there in order to experience God's presence. Well, the mystery is that now in Jesus, we have that presence with us in Christ, which is in you through his spirit. Whoa, that's the mystery that people didn't see coming. The other, the other part is that it's among the Gentiles. Because again, for, throughout all history, God had just chosen his specific people who were the owners of the temple, the Israelites, and then the Jews. But now through Christ, everyone gets to see. Everyone gets to have Christ in you. That's the mystery that Paul is now going to share amongst the entire world. And we get to get a little bit of that in his letter here in the Colossians. All right, I'm going to read uh, the rest of the verses. We're not going to finish if I go this slow the whole time. All right, verse uh, 28 he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. All right, did you catch his goal for the, the Colossian church? Where is he setting the finish line for then? He says, I'm contending hard for you in order da, 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 work. Got it, twice. He is, it needed the, the trumpet, um, the introduction, the fanfare there. He says, sorry, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. This is Paul's goal. Uh, later he says it a different way, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God namely Christ. So what Paul wants is not for them to simply know who Jesus is, know that Jesus is God, know that Jesus died for their sins, know that Jesus is the Christ. He doesn't just want them to be baptized. He's not contending for that, right? So he's saying, I'm suffering for you. I want you to know how hard I'm working. Like this is, this is my God-given mission to help you not just have salvation. Do you guys hear that? He's saying, I want you to be completely mature, I want you to know the full treasures of wisdom and knowledge, right? The riches of complete understanding. He's saying, no, 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 don't, don't stop too soon, right? There, there's, there's still a further goal. So, Because remember, in, in chapter 1, he says, you guys already received the gospel from Epaphras. And it's growing within you. There's love and there's hope and there's faith. Like, he wouldn't write this letter if the finish line was salvation. 
If all Paul was doing is trying to save people or share the gospel with them so they might accept it, he would never write this letter. He would never contend so hard for them. What he cares about is something further. Know that you'd be mature. That you would know the depths of these riches hidden in the mystery of Christ within you. And see, so you see some danger that some people are perhaps easing off the gas and choosing joy rides along the way where, yeah, that's good, but I kind of want to head over here. He says in verse four, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine sounding arguments. Because he recognizes that there are some people that say, yeah, that's good, but also come over here. You know, we're, we're gonna get into these fine sounding arguments next week. That's the whole next section of scripture where Paul kind of pivots from like, hey, introduce you to Christ, introduce you to me. All right, here's my concerns. <laughs> you know, that's, that's gonna be next week. But what the point I want us to hear is that you're still in the race. Just because you show up to church doesn't mean you've crossed the finish line. Just because you've accepted Jesus doesn't mean you've crossed the finish line. Just because you've heard the gospel or whatever it is, that's not the finish line. You're still in the race. Want to go, want to go, want to go, want to go, want to go. You know, no, 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 don't stop, don't stop. We got to keep going because we're still in the race because we don't understand fully these, these riches of wisdom and complete understanding of Christ in you, being fully mature. That's what Paul wants the church to see. And that's what we should hold ourselves to see. I think it's easy for us to kind of view, uh, I don't think we'd say we're at the finish line, but I think we act like it, right? Because if, if a Christian had already believed they've crossed the finish line, it would look differently, right? Because you would uh, you'd kind of casually show up, right? Or like you would casually pray and casually read your Bible because like those are good things, don't get me wrong, but like I don't need them. Right? Like I already, I already know who God is. I'm already, I'm already a believer. I'm already a follower of Jesus. Right? I'm already in the race. Like I don't necessarily like need a coach anymore. Right? Like if, if the race is done, you don't need to listen to your coach about strategies, about feedback. Hey, you, you know, you're taking this turn a little too close. You know, there's a guy coming behind you. I need to watch this. But if we're in the middle of the race, we need to have the coach telling us, instructing us, guiding us. That's prayer. That's reading our Bible, right? Where we want to hear from God more and more. If we're still in the race, we will act like we still need that input in our lives. If we act like we've already crossed the finish line, eh, I'll do it if I want it, right? Same thing with coming to church, right? I mean, if, if we've already crossed the finish line, what purpose do you need teammates for? I mean, don't really. Maybe if you like them, right? So I'll show up to church maybe because I like the people there, but there's no actual need for me to participate in the body. And certainly I'm not going to be obligated to help them. What if someone actually spills their guts to me and then I have to do something, right? I've got to follow up with them, right? I've got to care for them. They're like, oh, time out. I'm, I'm just actually on a joy right over here unless we were actually still in the race with teammates. That's the point I want us to hear. If we understand this, you're still in the race, this will affect us in three different ways. One, with our own personal lives, where we will say, okay, you know what? I, I, I do need maybe more prayer, time with God, understanding, riches. I, I guess this mystery of Christ in me, I don't have all sorted out. And maybe I should prioritize that more in my life. It'll reorganize how we pursue God, what that looks like. Uh, the second one, though, is, is where I was going. Uh, it's gonna impact how we treat each other. You know, like, when you're in a long race, like a marathon, invariably, uh, you're going to look to your right or your left, and you're going to see that there's people going the same pace as me. Now, I've, so I've heard. This isn't, this isn't a story for me. I'd ask Sherry uh, to make sure that, that uh, this was correct. Uh, but, the, but the people that you're running with, 
You encourage. Yeah, keep going. Keep going, right? You know, and uh, you want to make sure that they can continue as they go. That's like us here, right? If we're in the race of pursuing Jesus, for whatever reason, we are here in this time, in this place. God has gathered us. Okay, well, hey, keep going. That's what we do. How much more if you were part of a running club, right? Or you work out at the same gym, you're part of a team together. Well, yeah, now, now you might actually have strategies that you're trying to help, you know, and all right, I'll set the pace here and you get behind me. And, you know, you might actually really be hoping to help each other. When you get to the end of the race, the people that you've run with, what happens when you cross the finish line? Nice job, high five. Whew, I didn't think we could do it. You celebrate a little bit, right? And they say, all right, take care, bye. And then you head and you walk off. How weird would it be, right? If you're like, all right, hey, where's your car? You can make it. What up over here? I'll, I'll walk with you. <laughs> do you have a parking ticket? Do you need it verified? I can help that. I can help you get that. Hey, do you have anything on your schedule later today? Maybe do I need to call anyone and put it off? I want to make sure that you're well recovered. Anything I can get you from the store, you know? Like here's, here's something I get. Here, I'll take you. Come with me. It's like, whoa, easy. Like the race is done. You know, it's like I, I appreciated the support, but like let's respect each other's boundaries and let us live our lives together. But which one looks like the church when we show up? Hey, how you doing? Good. Nice to see you as well. All right. Hey, thanks for the prayers. I'll see you next week. Right? Like, does that interaction not look like we just finished the race? Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. Yep, thank you so much for sharing. Yep, God is good. I enjoyed worship with you. Take care. You know, like, we, we, we say we want to respect. Every, look, everyone's on their own journey. Everyone's on their own path. I can't. I don't want to be the answer guy and tell you how to do anything. I'm just trying to say, if that's our relationships here in the church, man, it sure looks like we already crossed the finish line. Right? Like, we're content to have all of us just be here. Right? Or just, just be baptized or just say, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus. Cool. Then, then you're good. You're good. All right. Take care. Peace. You know, like, God, may God be with you. You know what it's going to look like if we actually believe we're still in the race? It's going to kind of look like this morning. Hey, I'm broken in this area. I, I have a cramp. Man, I'm really hurt. And what do we say? All right. See you at the finish line. No, we say, hold on. Let me stop. Let me stop and be with you. You know, like if we truly understand you're still in the race, that means it's going to cost us. Our time's going to suffer, right? Our running partner sprains their ankle and is now on the ground. Uh, I'll, I'll send the medics. Well, no, you'd say, well, here, let me, let me be with you. And, and here's the key. Here's the key. I was going to have you guys turn to your neighbor and say, you're still in the race. You know, like they do at churches where you're supposed to be like, hey, you're still in the race. And I thought, no, 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 no. That's not what we need to be saying to each other. This is the one we need to be saying to each other. I'll help you make it to the finish line. Yeah, but that's hard. You know, because like, look, we can be aware. Yeah, I'm still in the race. We're still in the race. Yeah, you don't have to be perfect. I don't have to be perfect. We're still going. But to say, I'll help you make it to the finish line. says, no matter what happens to you, I'm with you. And I expect things to happen to you. And you can expect me to be with you. And then I thought, I can't make him say that. Because then we're just practicing doing something that maybe we're going to get good at saying and not doing. You know, but this is what it means to be the church. And, and look, hmm, hmm. Paul filled up what was lacking in Christ's afflictions because Christ had already ascended and gone off to heaven. And there were people that had not finished the race yet. And Paul said, yes, let me suffer on their behalf so that they might finish the race. Could we also say that perhaps there's something lacking in Paul's suffering? 
Perhaps there's some role that we have to fill up out of that same cup that Jesus had when he died on the cross that says, I will fill up what is lacking in Christ and Paul in your lives. And I'm gonna do it through suffering, through dying to myself and caring for you. Oh, this is hard. I don't want this. <laughs> I'd rather, God, you just let us cruise all to victory here. And yet that's not the way of the Father. That's not what Paul shows us. That's not what Jesus showed us. It's gonna be us running together, present with each other, encouraging one another. So practically, it's texting each other. It's connecting outside of church. It's following up with other people. It's providing nourishment, right? Whether it's meals or uh, lodging or childcare or physical needs. Uh, but it's emotional. It's providing Bible verses and prayers for each other. It's spiritual. You know, I mean, it's, it's holistic. Will we jog with them together? And will we, are we able to say, I'll help you make it to the finish line? Ah, so much, so much to that. But I want to set that as our goal here in the church. I think, again, what, like, God was moving in this direction all morning. And then in my sermon, I want us to hear, let's, let's actually do this, though. Like, it's so, so next week when you're going through something, be like, yo, Brad, can I, can I just share? Give people a chance to maybe sit with me as I'm on this race or as I need to tune up my bike or I need to take a, take a break or a rest. And then the last thing, the last area of our life that this affects is our impact for people beyond the church. You know, if we, if we believe in our head that the finish line is just checking a box, coming to church, raising your hand, praying a prayer, being baptized, you know, accepting Jesus in our life, uh, it's going to feel like to someone outside the church, all you want for them is just to get this certain uh, indicator, this level, almost as if you're a salesman or saleswoman, you're going for like salesman of the year, you know, and God's the boss who's like, up your quotas this month, you know, and it's like, that completely misrepresents God, us, our love, right? And it's going to set, set people off to like, well, I don't want to be a part of that pyramid scheme. You know, it's like, yeah, I've seen one of those with knives. You know, it's like, I don't like, I don't want to like sell souls here. What we're supposed to do is come alongside people, right? In their journey, let them go their pace, right? As opposed to saying, well, here's your next checkpoint, do this, do that. Why don't we just love them where they're at and help support them with where they're going? Do they have any needs? Do they have any nourishment that you can contribute to? All the while, you let them know where your finish line is. Well, here's where I'm running. Come run with me. You know, you can encourage them to the finish line, which is being fully mature in Christ, fully understanding the mystery. Paul calls it a mystery. This isn't something you, again, it's not a Sudoku and you solve and they're like, oh, I got it. Did you get the answer yet? No, this is a mystery we unpack and there's treasures he calls it treasures. He calls it riches of wisdom and understanding and knowledge. There's something more there, guys. And that's what we're on. You can tell, tell somebody who's not a follower, I'm on the same journey that you are. I'm just trying to figure all this stuff out. Here, but I'll help you on the way. How do we build credibility with, with people outside the church? Same way that Paul did. Same way that Christ did. We suffer on behalf of their sake. That's the way of God. That's how God works in the world. And that's what we're called to. We have to remember we are still in the race. Uh, I hope that that would drive us to sitting closer to God and listening more, that it reprioritize our life. I pray that it would allow us to maybe be more engaged, involved, ready to pay costs and feel pain and be inconvenienced for the sake of each other. And also that we would see the relationships with others around us in a new light where we can come alongside them so that they might know who Christ is, uh, not just on the surface level, but the depths of the riches. When we participate like that, then we participate in the mission of God and we can know 
some more of that mystery of Christ in us. All right, let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for Paul's example. I thank you for Christ's example. Um, I also see the example as being very difficult and tough. I pray that you would strengthen us. Um, even the examples that, that you gave today, God, uh, that you brought up within our midst, the, the relationships where uh, people revealed a little bit more of themselves um, and themselves as vulnerable, themselves as uh, perhaps needing a break, needing uh, some sort of energy bar or something, uh, I pray that we would respond, Lord. Uh, help us not be callous. Help us not treat one another as if we've already crossed the finish line. Uh, may we keep that finish line of knowing you all the way. May that be our drive, our motivation. Um, may Paul's words inspire us, and may we uh, run next to each other, the people that you bring next to us in this race. We love you, Lord. We want to know you more. We know that there are depths of riches that we haven't even scratched. Uh, we want to see those in our life and in our collective church life. We pray all these things, Lord, in your son's name. Amen. All right, you guys are off the hook this week. I have questions, but with it already being 1130, these are going to be homework assignments. <laughs> All right, the first one is uh, a question you get at seminary. How much of Paul's calling do we share and what don't we share? So Paul seems to think he has a very specific, special call in his life to share the gospel with the Gentiles. How much of that is ours? Uh, so essentially, can we read this as an example for us or is this a separate thing that we've got to kind of figure out our own calling? Um, I, I don't think there's a right answer to that. Don't worry. Uh, two, what does a fully mature Christian life look like? This is just give examples of it. Uh, Paul will get there later on in the book, um, and I'm excited to get there because it's, it's probably what you think, but at the same way, there's, there's layers to it. Uh, three, how have you loved others sacrificially to care for them? Uh, this one, share with people that you're close with, maybe a community group or close friends. Uh, this isn't to say, look, I'm doing it, but rather it's to give examples to each other and also as a check for yourself. Um, are you doing this? If it's hard to figure out an example of you sacrificially loving someone else, um, well, maybe we're not seeing it, right? Maybe we're not considering those opportunities uh, because we are prioritizing ourselves or our comfort higher. But keep going, guys. Don't, don't stop. Want to go, want to go, want to go, want to go. There's still a finish line. So may you go this week pursuing God and still focused on him, keeping him the center and organizing your whole life around him. Go this week in the Lord's peace. Amen.